0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Voxology Podcast. Today, my name is Mike. I'm here with my friend Tim, and we are joined in studio. Hello. By a very special guest. Seth-y. Who Hello. I don't know who it is. Who? Seth. Seth? Who yeah. is Seth? Seth Erie. Seth Erie? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Tell us about yourself, <laughs> Seth Erie. Yeah, good. You're good? Yep. Now, let me ask you a very important question, son. Yeah. What did you do this morning? Where did you go? Tentist. You went to the dentist today? Yeah. Oh my goodness. And let the record show that the first time he told us, he put his hand under his chin and smiled. Yes, like a senior, like a senior, portrait. senior portrait just saying, <laughs> "Look at my teeth." And and mama said you were very very brave. Yeah, brave. You were brave you went in by yourself? Yep. Yeah. Yep, you let him clean your teeth? Exactly. Let the record show that he is mimicking <laughs> cleaning of teeth. Now, theory. yeah, I have a couple of big questions for you. Yes. All right, are you ready? Yeah. All right. Do you like Chick Fil A or Zaxby's?
1: Uh, Zaxby's.
0: See that this has been oh. this has been kind of the news story That's consistent over the summer, is that Chick Fil A has held a sacred, and we've had we've had incredibly sweet listeners who own fi- uh, franchises or work at Chick Fil A send us That's right. Boxes, but he has been announcing Chick Fil A's downgraded. I don't know how to feel about that. I don't. I feel conflicted for this uh, for Zaxby's. And I know we're covering familiar ground here, dear listener. Mm-hmm. But it still it still is important uh, to understand the dynamic happening in our household, mm-hmm. and that um, that's right. How can how can every there it is? There's doing the hand under the chin smile thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway um and then and then uh, the other big question i have for you seth is how is yeah. your summer going so far summer is good summer's good my life is good your life is good yeah my life wow is good. i like wow. that anything else you want to tell
1: i like i like it tim stafford and kevin
0: you like tim stafford and our friend kevin yep you absolutely do they're pretty cool guys huh
1: oh hit him uh, what? please hit that Seth Eerie, hit that face on. please. It's up, it's, up, it's
0: up. So there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Seth Eerie roaming. Um, and no, such a cordial uh, uh, song plug, too, because he's like, Tim, yeah. please. Yeah. Did you play Seth Eerie's theme? Yeah, usually it's drum roll, please, but no, no. <laughs> and and I mean, he looks forward to this. Yeah. That and doing announcements at church are the two things like he digs. And the Marco Polos. Oh, the Marco Polos. You guys don't even know. <laughs> Timothy, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Mike? How was you, How is your summer going?
1: <clears throat> my summer is going well. I don't operate well in the heat and I run Ooh. hotter than the rest of my family. So Ooh. they're just like, it's fine. And I'm like, I'm dying. Yeah. I'm not yeah. dying. Or maybe I am. I don't know. Could be. Yeah. It's hard to tell these days.
0: And let the record show that Tim Stafford has a lot of hair on his head and his face. It's
1: true. And that doesn't really, help. Yeah. I feel the urge to just...
0: Do it. What is it? 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 Nair? Just nair do the whole it. thing? Just do it. <laughs> just a little gasoline and a match. That's all it takes. <laughs> That's our Rage Against the
1: Machine song.
0: Oh, nice. They, they've played their first concert, evidently, in 11 years last night. Yeah, I was watching clips last night. Oh, yes, you were. Um, so, Timothy, I have, I have a quick update. Um, my lungs have been um, invaded Under by some sort of viral nemesis. And so I, I am coughing like a wild donkey. Um, if that is an appropriate comparison, and so I'm I'm sucking on throat lozenges, so I'm just sorry if it's loud and coffee and phlegmy over here. I know no one wants that, but but dog on it. Our one person audience demands weekly uh, weekly input from the Voxology crew, and we're just we're committed to it. Yeah. So there might be coughing, there might be weird silences as Tim edits out coughing. There might, might just be, you know, heaven meeting earth with a wet sloppy kiss sounds. Uh, that is a Christian <laughs> song reference, if you don't, didn't know. Anyway, we're super delighted to, uh, to be a part of your life today. What we wanted to do was we wanted to got get into part two of, okay, how, how can we begin to reimagine um, the invitation that we have to be bearers of the name of Jesus? Traditionally, that's been called something. Um, that's been that's something that's been called evangelism. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that that enterprise uh, was always carefully and theologically faithfully conceived. In that, I was oh I always thought um, evangelism was to bring someone to kind of this ending line where someone would pray a prayer, and then discipleship would be a new thing that you would do. And there was really not a lot of connection between the two, and that's part of the reason why our churches are filled with people who would agree mentally with uh, the idea of Jesus, but whose lives don't bear much resemblance to his life. Um, and and so um, and I also, you know, purely equated evangelism with verbal proclamation, yeah, as opposed to um, and, and 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 on an individual basis. Um, as opposed to some of the corporate ideas that are implicit, uh, and explicit in the New Testament, as well as the understanding that, um, the, the proclamation of the gospel isn't something that you, that you just do, um... Uh, And it it greatly depends on what gospel you're proclaiming and how you understand what it is to be proclaiming the gospel. But it's not something that you just can reduce down to a bunch of words or a formula. Uh, But rather, it is a way, God's name, or the name of Jesus, rests over a way of living, over a group of people. And so to be bearers of the name, as we talked about a couple of episodes ago, um, carries with it accountability and weight, and also freedom and joy. And so we want to push in a little bit to that idea of what does it mean exactly to bear the name. Now, we spent some time talking about um, the importance of names and how names were more than monikers. Names revealed something about the character uh, of the person. That's why the name of Jesus, um, Joshua, kind of transliterated into Greek, but Yeshua, probably in Hebrew, the Yahweh saves. I mean, that tells you right there something very specific about the, the role of Jesus, the purpose of Jesus um, and the invitation of Jesus all at once. yeah and so the people who would bear his name have that same sort of orientation and and what I thought I would do today, Tim, and keep this focus because my brain isn't super clear. my words, <laughs> as you could tell already, aren't super dialed phlegmy. in. everything's Fleming my brain. Fleming everything, and um, if I were personality type, I'd be phlegmatic. Maybe Ian Fleming. Oh my goodness, people! <laughs> I, I I'm shocked that people tune into this, but I'm shocked <laughs> that anyone would stay listening after that. Um, <laughs> so, let's talk a little bit about the importance of Jesus in the biblical story. All right, so we meet in Genesis 1 and 2, we meet an invisible God, a God that um, doesn't have form or shape, and this God makes human beings in um, his image, and and yet the image is represented by male and female, and and somehow the male and femaleness together constitutes uh, or is representative of what the image turns out to be. But there was still, the, the, even though there were images in the form of human beings, there was no image the, the, of God that could ever be made. That God and, and the Romans, I think it, were, or it was the Greeks, I don't remember, they mocked Israel because when they broke down the, the Holy of Holies in the temple, there was nothing there. Like there was no physical representation of the deity right. there. Um, and so, uh, you know, the, you should not make for yourselves an image of gold or silver or anything to represent Yahweh. And, and what was you know fascinating, of course, is that the minute they received that command, that's exactly what they did with this golden calf. Um, but there was a huge, huge, huge emphasis on the fact that Yahweh could not be captured in physical form. Um, while at the same time saying, hey, we have these image bearers that are roaming around the earth. So in the New Testament, Jesus walks around, of course, and does the Jesus stuff that he does. But (laughs) the New Testament writers begin to use words about Jesus that would have been very much um, um, cautionary to be used in the Old Testament around these prohibitions about making no image of God. Because like in Colossians chapter 1, Paul will say the Son is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn over all creation. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. And so the writer makes these really kind of striking claims about Jesus. First, he's the image of the invisible God. There was no image allowed of the invisible God besides human beings who carried the image. but now Jesus as a human carries the image, but this seems to say there's something more. Like Jesus is a revealer of God in ways that ordinary human beings are not. So he, uh, and then when 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 he says he's the firstborn of all all creation, that doesn't mean he was born first. Firstborn is an identity statement. It's the heir. It's the uh, it's the one who will carry forward the promises. Of the original family and so the firstborn overall creation and notice it's not firstborn of creation it's firstborn over creation so it's a title of authority so this yeah. Jesus is it just the image of the invisible God but is somehow over all creation and then the writer says God was pleased to have all of God's fullness dwell in him and in Greek um, fullness denotes entirety. So to put all his fullness is to say God put his the entirety of his entirety in Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's very complete. Yeah, there isn't there's no remainder out there <laughs> left over. Right? And so so you have in one verse this striking picture that God has given us an image of himself in in a way that contradicts. Not contradicts, but contrasts with the prohibition of the divine image, and I personally think this is one of the reasons why we have no physical description of Jesus. Um, Mm -hmm. That just wasn't important, you know, in that train of thinking. But that that Jesus has now has come as some divine revealer, image of God, different than the human beings that are images of God. He has authority over creation. And the, the allness of God's allness dwells in him, right? <laughs> which is, which is, yeah, the allness the of allness God's of allness, allness, which is super cool. Yeah. And so you get a picture that Jesus is the revealer of what God is like differently than any other thing in creation. Yeah. There's no other thing that reveals God the way that Jesus reveals God. And as it turns out, I mean, the very beginning of the Bible, there is a conflict between how God reveals God's self to our first parents and then how the serpent talks about God's character to our first parents. And the fact that the serpent depicts God as almost a hoarder, a blessing, whereas the garden was unlimited blessing. And that the serpent depicts God as holding out on the humans Whereas God is depicted as as crowning the humans with glory and honor. And that the and that God is depicted as um, preserving for God's self certain privileges that he will never give the humans. But the you know the creation account is of of God like so lifting up um, the, these image bearers in stark contrast to the creation stories of the ancient Near East of the day.
1: That's really interesting is that we came out of that image series and stuff that all of those perversions that the serpent gives are like f- making mankind to feel entitled and missing something and that we deserve something and right. that we should take something and be resentful. And you see so much of that right now with a lot of the um, more extreme facets of the church and what's being taken from me, what I deserve, what I need. Yes. And not that God has blessed you, but that God has withheld.
0: Yes. Oh, bro, that's so insightful. Absolutely. But notice what's at issue. The issue is what is your picture of God? And I know this is a basic sort of point, but your picture of God actually really matters. Yeah, totally. and, um, and so the first, we get this glorious picture of God in Genesis 1 and 2 that's immediately called into question by whatever this serpent turns out to be. So the writer in Colossians, you know, reflecting on this big biblical story, says, well, there's something unique about the way that Jesus of Nazareth reveals God. Um, in fact, in that same book, Colossians, In chapter 2, he says, For in Christ, all the fullness, again, all the fullness, the entirety of the entirety, the fullness of the fullness, for in Christ, the fullness of the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. He is not simply, this this is Mike, this is not Paul talking, but he's not simply a man who is full of God, He is what God looks like when God takes human flesh. Yeah, like that's such a big difference. Like people would ask uh, one of the big questions. You know, when I was um, in my little apologetics phase back in the day, was (laughs) is Jesus the only? You know, is Jesus the only way to God? And I would answer that wrongly by saying, "Yeah, Jesus is the only way to God." When when I think the Bible's teaching is so much bigger and more threatening than that, mm. which is Jesus is not a way to God. It's God's way to us. That it's, it's God taking on flesh and blood. It's what God looks like with clothes on. And the rest of the New Testament is so clear on this point that there's a passage in Hebrews that, um, is super important in the past. This is Hebrews one in the past, God spoke to our ancestors, the prophets, So God spoke through the prophets. Absolutely. These were revelations of God at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. That's like saying firstborn of creation. Yeah. And through whom also he made the universe, which is super interesting. And John, in the Gospel of John, picks up on that. We'll see that in a second. But then there's this line. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. Now that word uh, is the word hypostasis, and it's a word that means the inner character of somebody, the etching of somebody, that part of them that cannot be changed by circumstance, hmm. right? It's that part of them that's solidified, and um, so so notice the the contrast is god has spoken in many times and in various ways and were those true speakings of god yes but there is a different speaking and that speaking is the exact representation of god's being does that make sense yeah that that this is like this is god exegeting himself you know what i I mean mean? like like you don't have to wonder at all what God is like because God is revealed in Jesus and I, and they couldn't say it any stronger the fullness of fullness yeah. of the deity is in Jesus that Jesus right is the exact representation of God's being right John references this idea of Jesus being present at creation when he says in the beginning right the minute you hear in the beginning you're back to Genesis right in the beginning was the word the word was with God. The word was God. He was with us in the beginning. And then, uh, you know, 14 verses later, it's the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You just, and the word here is the expression of God. Like yeah. that's what the, the logos, the expression of God. And so, and, and, then, and then Jesus, I mean, Jesus says these things himself. And I know I'm over making a very slobbery, phlegmy point. But like in John 14, Philip says, Lord, um, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus is like, dude, Philip, don't you even know after I've been with you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Now, he's not saying he and the Father are identical. And that gets into Trinitarian theology. But he's saying that that Jesus that he has revealed the Father. So, like in Luke ten, he says, "All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one um, knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him." Yeah. So, do you see that the case we're making? The case we're making is the Bible is full of pictures and images and symbols and stories and prophetic teaching about what God is like. Absolutely. And that those pieces are true. But there is a fullness to the representation of God that Jesus gives that isn't true of all the previous. Right. Right? And uh, because the Son is the exact representation of the Father's being. And so... You know, when Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, like the Trinitarian theology is um, that Jesus doesn't exhaust all of who God is, because God is Father, Son, and Spirit, but that the core essence of who God is, is revealed in Jesus. Right. And and we can have a great Trinitarian convo someday, because, you know, that's, yeah, it's, that, it's that's rough. Very
1: three or four dimensional to pick at, to...
0: Yes. You want to pull some strings, Timothy? That's I love pulling threads,
1: but y- you <clears> love I'm it. not going to. But I, I think that's what fullness means within how
0: you just set that up. is There's a lot to play with in there, too. Yes. Because in Colossians, I think Paul is dealing with a heresy, an early form of Gnosticism that talks about something called the pleroma of God, the fullness of God. And the God's fullness, and I'm pulling this out of my head, so it might not be exactly correct, but that's true of everything we say. So, as long as you're pulling nope. out of
1: your head and not somewhere else.
0: Yeah, well, great point. Great point. <laughs> that the fullness, that the pleroma of God, the Gnostics, some Gnostics taught, was like diffused throughout the universe. And there were these, there were these levels uh, that, that, that got you closer to the fullness of God. The lowest level was the level of flesh and dirt and blood and humanity but there was secret knowledge of angelic realms that unlocked closer the closer you could get to the fullness of god yeah and so when paul says the pleroma which is the word fullness all of the pleroma of god is in jesus like that's a really big levels out he's no he's saying all of those there is no diffusion there you take all of those levels and pack them into jesus yeah. And there's no pleroma left over. Yeah. Like that's a th- that was a massively important statement. Yeah. But for our purposes, when we talk about what does it mean to sort of share our faith and what does it mean to evangelize and we start the conversation by saying, "Listen, um, let's talk about cursing and names and how like in the in the scripture's conception we bear the name of Jesus, and that cursing isn't about um, taking God's name in an oath, although that is prohibited. But cursing is more about living a life that denies the reality of the name you're supposed to be carrying. And, um, And then, okay, if you carry the name, it raises the next question, well, what implications does that have for the way that we live? And one that we explored is that we're just never anonymous. Right, there's no anonymity in the kingdom of God. Right, we mm-hmm. like um, how we act online, how we act towards other people, other drivers, servers. Uh, all of that matters, and it's part of uh, how it is that we, because we all witness to something. You never, you never are not witnessing to something, and so you're either witnessing to a malevolent, you know, judgmental, rule keeping God, or you're witnessing. But the the point, the biggest point, is that everything hangs on internalizing uh, your view of the beautiful God, and Hmm. you can't outrun your view of God. You can't out. You you will be transformed into the view of God that you have. Hmm. So if your view of God is, I mean, that's where we get so many Pharisees, right? I mean, that and that and that is the point of the prodigal son parable. The, the, the both sons had an unrealistic view of the father and the elder son who stood in for the Pharisees saw the father who, as someone who was chintzy, as someone who held out. I mean, it's the same story that, that the serpent told, you know, and, and the father's like, my son, everything I have is yours. But the son never saw that, right? The elder son. Yeah. The, the younger sin had a view of the father um, that just said well the, the father all the father does is provide and I owe him nothing hmm. so I can steal his gifts and run away um, and it's just it's fascinating how so often what Jesus is doing is talking about how it is that we see God and God's work in the world and that so much of what uh what we're transformed into because i mean the scripture is really clear you become what you worship always right you always i that's what idolatry does if you worship money you become greedy right if you worship sex you become lustful i mean you you turn into the thing that's why the you know Gollum is such a powerful portrayal of what idols do and the movie
1: seven because you oh dude everybody uh, uh, each victim becomes fully what the uh, what the sin was Yes,
0: that's a Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman movie that if you've not seen, don't watch it with our, young our children. Mutual, our mutual
1: friend, Matt Miller, when we yes. were in high school, we used to, or whenever that movie came out, maybe it was after high school, but we were going to make a seven cereal with marshmallows for each of the sins. And with the with the cover of the box being Brad Pitt
0: yelling at the end of the movie, like, what's in the box? What's in the oh, box? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. And that... First of all, that is appropriate to a man whose favorite holiday is Halloween. Correct. It's a pretty yes. morbid cereal. <laughs> yes, exactly. Especially if you've seen the movie and know what's in the box. Now, yes. <laughs> so, so, and I'm over making, and I, I don't feel like I'm normally, I, I don't feel like I'm clear as normal, so forgive me. But um, the image of God, the, the big point I want to make is that, Jesus changed the content and the concept of the word God for us. In other words, instead of taking a a bunch of ideas from Greek philosophy or the Old Testament or whatever about what God is like and then slapping Jesus kind of over those and then wondering how to reconcile them all, what the Bible invites us to do is to realize all the things that that are said about God are true. But there's only one exact representation of his being. And so that, that, that the, the image of God that we're to carry forward isn't of, of anything other than what Jesus of Nazareth turns out to be like. Right. And that you can't outrun whatever image of God that you have. So for me, forever, God has always seemed alike like... Because my father was a police officer. All right, So I internalized the police image. Hmm. That God was like a cop with a radar gun when I'm driving a really fast car 20. on a f- straight road that's flat, yeah. in perfect weather, and no traffic. And the speed limit says 55. And as Sammy Hagar once so eloquently said, <laughs> I can't drive 55. And the God just sits there with a radar gun, having set us up for struggle. That- yeah. For years, that has been the predominant image of God that I've had.
1: Yeah, I think that's a very widely held image of
0: God. God. Yes. And it wasn't until, um, man, I was was early 30s that guys like Dallas Willard and Philip Yancey and others started saying, hey, there's a lot of Christianity that isn't of Jesus. And Mm. I know that's a no-dust statement now, but it was kind of newish back then. I don't think
1: it is. I think people are still coming out of that
0: yeah maybe maybe in our circles it's very system. familiar yeah. yeah but um but i began to like i, I spent months listening dallas willard has t- had tapes before he wrote a book called the divine conspiracy his cassette tapes on his teaching through the sermon on the mount and i was encountering a jesus i just never met before d willy and, so and yep d willy man it all goes back to him and I would um I would just begin to pick up the gospels and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and, and not read anything else until I had such clarity on who Jesus was and then so many questions about, well, why does he say this thing to the like Syrophoenician woman? Like there's gotta be something going on there or or right. Or, like, okay, so when he goes up and he says like all these I am statements and the crowd reacts, they, it doesn't seem like a big deal to say I'm the bread of life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, okay. And all those questions begin to drove they drove me into other parts of the Bible. Yeah. And then I then I begin, oh, oh, then I began wrestling with the other parts. And I know we've talked about this before, ad nauseum. But the, the big point I want to make today uh, is number one. The picture that we get of Jesus is the picture we're to ourselves point to. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm not. My goal isn't to defend the whole Bible. Sure, you can point out pictures of God that look absolutely crazy. Right. Of course. Of course. Um, and we all know websites that just list all those, and you could just go, "Man, are you kidding me?" We, I have this awkward children's Bible uh, <laughs> storybook. <laughs> That is hilarious in its like just it just like it's like here's the children's story of Noah and the Ark, and then it has all the dead bodies floating in the water. It's you an know what I mean
1: intentionally awkward. Yeah, story yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Like. It's written by people who are not fans. <laughs> and they're pointing out how Christians try to clean up the Bible to keep yeah, it, yeah. you know. And um <laughs> And so how do, you, how do you sit in all of these pictures and competing pictures of God? And the Bible just invites us over and over to say, no, no, no. You go to Jesus of Nazareth. And to understand Jesus of Nazareth, you do have to understand the rest of the Bible.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but that's the order. And so evangelism for me, not only is um, bearing the name, but it's bearing the name of Jesus. And bearing the name of Jesus means I'm immersing myself in Jesus so that I might be transformed into his likeness so that I could be a reflector, however dully, of his beauty. So literally, mantra to sharing my faith, if it's ever shared, well, it's always shared, is to make Jesus beautiful. Yeah, That's it. Why? Because Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. I don't want to defend abstract definitions of what God is like. Right. Right? My goal is not to try to convince people that, um, you know, Noah and the ark and the flood was global and not local and the dinosaurs, there were eggs on the ark. I mean, I used to care about (laughs) all of that and that's just not at all it. My goal is to immerse myself in Jesus so that I might become like Jesus, that's where the image of God thing comes into play, right. so that I might reflect Jesus, that's, that's it. And that whole thing is evangelism, discipleship, sanctification, justification, yeah. salvation, that's the whole thing.
1: That's such an interesting, it's such a different posture. It's just off from what we, like the argument focus that you kind of just mentioned and being able to use like I remember, people giving talks about how the Grand Canyon was irrigation from the flood. It was these ways of taking things that were tangible to prove yeah. factually that God exists, and then from there you would you would dig into who Jesus was. But it yes. came through facts, or it comes through anecdotes, right? And so much teaching is actually set up that way. Yes, and a lot not, of churches set up that way, and so it's interesting to reposture yourself where it's like what does it mean to evangelize what does it mean to be a reflection or you know to be this image bearer or whatever it's not in it's not in convincing or in apologetics or in arguing it's in the, how you are you are reflecting period right what are you reflecting
0: yes yes and <clears throat> the only thing worth reflecting is the beauty of jesus that's the yeah. last thing i'd put on that statement
1: which doesn't come in doesn't necessarily come in argument form. Oh, well. In the form and way that we're talking about it, like I, to- I yes. just so much has been so set up with just like I'm going to come with my sack full of sharp facts, and you know you're going to go and you're going to debate the atheist, and here's it, here it comes, like we're coming in head to head, like right, and we even this is still even recent when it was like Bill Nye and or whatever it was like Ken you know, Ham, yeah, you get the scientist and the. And the Christian, you sit them down. They're yeah. like, "All right, these two heavyweights are about to go. This is, you know, uh, Muhammad Ali, and you know, it's like they're gonna get, they're gonna go, and everyone should gather around because the two heavyweights are gonna go, and whoever is left standing at the end mm-hmm. is Muhammad Ali standing over with the, you know that famous picture with
0: this, yeah, yeah, with Sonny Liston, like, yes. Yeah.
1: But instead, that's not really what this is, right? And it's just, it's just. I don't. As you're saying, like you don't want to beat a dead horse. You didn't say that. I can't remember how you said it, but that we've ad nauseum have gone through this. But it's a completely different posture. So I think it is. It's important to reconnect to this idea throughout yeah. all of these things.
0: Yes. So how do I imagine sharing faith? Right. Well, I've I've ceased imagining it as the lone um, wolf out right. there. You know. I, so I, I've re-envisioned it along corporate and communal terms yeah but when my individual part I do have a part to play and what is that part? Well, because I bear the name, the way I understand my part is just to show off the beauty of Jesus. Yeah how do I show off the beauty of Jesus? Well first, I immerse myself in Jesus because I cannot outrun the image of God that I hold in my brain. Right. <laughs> and so I have to co- consistently renew the image of God and, and all of Jesus, not just the cute parts, yeah. but the weird parts of Jesus, the angry parts of Jesus, the parts where he says things that seem offensive, like the whole package of Jesus. I I want to sit in all of that. And I want to immerse myself in all of that. So that um I might because because whoever you know whatever it is that we worship we become like so that I might become like this Jesus mm-hmm. and that I might begin to reflect in small ways the beauty of this Jesus and um and so there's a ton of theology in that right we bear his name we are transformed in the image of God that we have in our minds I mean all of that matters but now let's talk about all right the beauty of Jesus what it, what exactly are we you know talking about if yeah. Jesus is the unique and definitive revealer of what God's like. And 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 let me just say, I think there is a great place. I, I got my master's in philosophy of religion. I was going to go be a, a philosophy professor at university. Guys like Dallas Willard and J.P. Moreland, uh, William Lane Craig, like we're all super influential in my developmental process. And I kind of um you know came into faith through the intellectual like oh um oh there's something here there's something to chew on uh but i kind of had fallen prey to exactly what you're describing tim which is um the 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 centrality of being right yeah as being more important than um showing the beauty of jesus and so um, I still think there's a place like there's a podcast called unbelievable yeah. out of uh, the UK, which has these big like debates yeah. and, it, and it's fascinating.
1: It is. Yeah.
0: So I don't want to denigrate the part of that, but for me, and I think as I look upon the church uh, there, there has been an emphasis on some of the wrong accents. Um, not only have we started kind of with a, a very narrow version of the biblical story, but that has led us to a very narrow version of kind of the faith that we're sharing and how it is that we're supposedly sharing it. So we just want to pop that back open to say, "All right, so I went to the dermatologist today. All right, I've had uh, I've had serious skin cancer and not so serious skin cancer. Yeah, and I walk into the dermatologist office, and it's not a happy place. Um, traditionally." Uh, and, um, and so the question I ask myself is how do I put on display? Not not like we talked about, this is not artificial, but how do I posture myself to show off the beauty of Jesus? Yeah. And, and it all comes back to all the same things. Kindness. Yep. Gentleness, uh, sense of humor, um, listening, asking questions, dignifying people. Yeah. Seeing past ways I want to judge. Or exclude like being joyfully non cooperative in circumstances where I'm in things that are antithetical yeah. to the kingdom, like it is just an entire posture of life that brings joy to me, yeah. And so, it's walking into dead spaces, grocery stores, airports where there's no joy, no kindness, no concern for the other, yeah. and simply being attentive. Um, so when we talk about the beauty of Jesus, what I'm not saying is that somehow we can make more Jesus more beautiful than what he is. Right. Totally. Right? That's, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not what that little slogan means. Right. Jesus, I mean, there's, you have people who walked with Jesus who then see Jesus in his glorified state and they fall face down yeah. in reverence. Like whatever view of Jesus we have isn't good enough. It's not big enough. It's not reverent enough. So so we're not saying, hey guys, we're 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 trying to polish Jesus up here for people.
1: <laughs> we're trying to work in a lot of churches, right? They try to like bring in the contemporary um music, like secular music, but then give it a, a Jesus yes. to make Jesus more relatable to the culture at hand like we got to bring like we're losing the young people so we got to make jesus more hip for the
0: yeah yes we got to market jesus yeah we've got it totally that that's so not what this is right this is about who we're imaging and what name we're bearing and because because what this is about really is is more than just revealing the beauty of jesus but it's warring against all of the centuries of ugliness that have been associated with jesus Right? I mean, that's what totally. we're up against. All that's not beautiful that has been associated um, with Jesus in Jesus' name, right? The ugliness of Jesus or the ugliness that of religion, of, mm-hmm. of some forms of religion that have, have wrapped Jesus into yeah. um, judgmental boxes that so don't reflect who he is. You'll hear or, that in the
1: world too where people are like, hey, I like I actually think this Jesus guy is really interesting and I think his teachings... I've had friends actually say this. Um, like I actually live to a lot of the tenets that he sees, but I just can't get behind the church or Christianity right. and I have right. no interest in it whatsoever.
0: Right. Yep, just exactly. Just because of the
1: reflection or the, the disparity.
0: The ugliness. The yes. Yeah. Right. We, we, so we have to work to strip it away. Centuries of ugly judgmentalism and violence, um, centuries of self-righteousness, centuries of, of politi- politicalization. Thank you. <laughs> of the gospel in the kingdom. Violent wars in Jesus' name, abuse in yeah. Jesus' name, cover-ups yeah. in Jesus' name. I mean, that's what we're warring against. Right? Wrapping up These days, wrapping up the kingdom of God in nationalistic and, and political and militaristic agendas, that's what we're yeah. warring against. And so we can't make Jesus more beautiful than he is, but we can certainly work to resist the ugliness that has become attached to him. Yeah, and tear down some of the obstructions to that view. A- absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. As, um, as is often said, you know, even if you don't believe the story is true, the real story of Jesus is the story you would want to be true, You know that God yeah, yeah. turns out to be that amazing. So, you know, what, what was it to share your faith in the first century um well it was literally to introduce people to Jesus so you know Philip in the book of John's like hey come meet this guy who's under a tree who you know what I mean I mean like yeah. that's what it was and then as the Apostles as Jesus died and, and rose and ascended <coughs> the Apostles obviously just told stories yeah about what Jesus was like and of course, there were there were pastoral uh, situations that needed responses, and we get the New Testament letters from those. And there were later codifications and decreeds and so on that were important to clarify uh, what uh, the Scripture was teaching about Jesus, and all of that. All of that matters. But these days, we've kind of lost a bit of the plot when the gospel becomes for us a statement filled with certain information and less about, hey, this is my friend Jesus. Now, I know that's super cheesy, <laughs> but but think about how relationally that repostures us yeah. towards another. So for me, um, showing the beauty of Jesus, it really comes down to two big choices that I make or try to make that have ramifications in every other choice. So, the, the way of Jesus, uh, to witness to Jesus, to bear the name of Jesus, to show off the beauty of Jesus, to strip away the ugliness of Jesus, uh, comes down for me uh, to a consistent choice between the self-sacrificial love of Jesus or exercising power over people.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: And that fundamental orientation gets played out every single realm of my life horrible, with my spouse, yeah. my children, my church. My teaching, the way, way relate to other drivers, the way I relate to um, people at the DMV, right? The yep. story you told last, yeah. uh, last time about your episode at the DMV, it's like I'm, I, either I am existing to, to be a, a source of blessing and light into the world in the, in the way I speak and drive and live, or I'm seeking to control outcomes. And I, 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 I variate uh, between those two, if that's a word, I, va- I vary between those two postures within mm-hmm. minutes of each other, right? Totally, absolutely. Because obviously Jesus, one of the ways that Jesus shows himself to be so incredibly beautiful is, um, is the heart of self-sacrificial love, not just in his death, although his death right. is where it's fully manifest and he's glorified into his kingdom, But it's the constant ways in which he was choosing to love uh, people who were unlovable rather than to control them or to exclude them or to judge them. So I'm trying to resist any relational dynamic that puts me above another person. Yes, That can be judgment. That could even be in service. Like, I'm trying to serve you because you need me. I think that's huge. Right? So any dynamic... Where I'm placing myself subconsciously over another, well, I'm smarter, so I yep. should be doing this. Um, no, I could get this done way more effectively. You're wasting my time, right? Why are you being yep. so obstinate? I just need—I mean, all the—I mean, I do this constantly. Yeah. And so, so for me, like, what is what does it mean to bear the name? It means to reflect the beauty of Jesus. Well, what does that mean? well it means to consistently choose self-sacrificial love which is the way of gentleness kindness non-coercion non-manipulation sitting in the power of my request loving enemies blessing those who persecute me right sitting in the sermon on the mount choosing that way over the antithesis of all of that right the way of pride the way of ego the way of pushing the way of demanding the way of entitlement the way of narcissism uh, right the the way any way where I place myself above another in a social dynamic, I mean, good lord, and that that's never ending. So if you want to know how I share my faith, that's what I'm working on.
1: Right the I I think I was talking to you not on a recording. I can't I don't think this was, but I was doing research for another for a little mini series for this, and on YouTube it started playing one of the like a clip from that chosen show, which I mm-hmm. have not watched cause I just, I subconsciously or no, it's pretty consciously avoid all Christian media or anything that even has a reflection of Christian media in it. Yeah. And it was a little clip of Jesus with the woman at the well and it was, and I just started bawling watching it cause the way that they set it up was like super <clears throat> like when I'm always kind of picking at trying to understand we're well, real good to understand that Jesus is God but sometimes we don't there's just not a lot on the hum, the humanity like the flesh and blood aspect of what he's doing in a lot of those situations and being a human and occupying a human space and they did such a good job in that clip I think I don't know if it's theologically accurate but the way that he like like spoke directly to who she was at the well mm-hmm. and how she was seen and the way he interacted with her and and in the human aspects too like he was just like at the beginning it was just very much like I'm actually thirsty like She's like, do you know who you're talking to? Do you know you can't do? And he's like, but I'm actually like, I'm really thirsty. Can I have some water? (laughs) Like physically I'm thirsty Mm. before he got into seeing her and edifying her and lifting her up. And she runs away joyous and drops her buckets and the disciples are coming back and they're like, what's going on? she's like, that guy, that guy's, you know, that guy's the son of God. Like this is, this is insane. This is nuts. And she's, and she feels so seen and like edified by the conversation that he has with her and how he does physically see her but also just looks into her and, and exposes in both good and bad ways the aspects of who she is as a human. Yes. So everything you're just saying, like reflecting that idea, that popped in my head because I thought that they did such a good job of, of showing how he saw her right, and how oh, he spoke so into her and yes. lifted her yes. up.
0: And, and the way he diffuses situations of shame. Exactly. And, 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 and Paul does this too. When Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, we've talked about it before. He's constantly assuming the lesser social role. So just all of the ways that, um, I want to puff up or put a false self out there or whatever. So my goodness, this is like that, 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 that thread of Jesus, the table fellowship, the healings that were unexpected, the confrontation against the self-righteousness of the Pharisees. Um, that, that hurt and excluded, like that whole thread of Jesus, I just cannot, I, I cannot get enough of. And so yeah. what does it mean to share my faith? It's that. And it's, a thou, it's, it's, it's when I'm driving to the dermatologist, it's how I treat the people yeah. checking me in. It's how I treat the people that are next to me. It's how I treat the doctor. It's the whole freaking thing.
1: Well, it's even in the conversations between like you and your wife about other people that are behind closed doors that are not, that all creates the culture within you that.
0: Yes. The times I want to interrupt because my kids are making bad choices and I want to rush in with power. Yeah. Yeah. And coercion. And, and obviously, when they're young, there's a time for that. And even when they're older, there's a time for that. But there's a but posture I, within that, too, that's edifying. Yes, yes. So big point number one, at least for me, about what does it mean to bear the name well and to bear the name of Jesus well is I immerse myself in Jesus. And one of the things that jumps out at me as I do that is um, the, the the continual renunciation of power over people. Yeah. In all of its forms, and it just—I—I I am continually inventive in ways of trying to do this. The second thing, and this really aims my life, is um, Jesus didn't critique without creating something better. He created—he created and embodied a better alternative. And—and and I know this is an essential facet of what Jesus did, but it jumps to me because I'm so tempted. To critique and to just be cynical and to be totally. frustrated and to be disheartened <clears throat> and to despair and to just take cheap cheap shots yep. as if I'm not part of the church I'm critiquing. Right. <laughs> um, the 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 re the the reorienting towards um and back towards the community where I I get to practice and work this out in real time imperfectly. That has been that has been probably the biggest thing of the last two or three years for me. Yeah, what'd you call it before in the previous series? towarding? Towarding, absolutely. But the but the but to see Jesus, he's not just undercutting the Pharisee project. He's building. He's building and showing an, an, a better righteousness. Yeah. He's not just standing against Herod, who he calls the fox, um, but he's building an alternative political entity. You know what I mean? And this gets me into the rest of the New Testament as all of the commands in the New Testament are given to the church. Um, so so my posture, and, and again, I mean, I'm this is just me and us and you know, we're, we're there's no freaking experts on this. But I found that of course there are great conversations that come out of these postures. Yeah. Absolutely. But the point of these postures isn't the conversations that could or could not come out of them. Yeah, The point of them is to try to embrace a Christ-like way or the, have the mind of Christ towards how I see the world. And yeah. I, I see the world as a place of abundance and generosity and kindness. I see a God-infused, God-bathed world of beauty. I see, I see it polluted and corrupted by human and heavenly being sin. And my role as one who has been redeemed by grace is to show that same grace because who am I to hinder it yep. if it was shown to me? And so, so I do that in two ways. I, I try to put off anything that puts me in a position over people. And I, I try to resist just sitting in despair and cynicism and create something. Yeah. And so that's why we've, you know, th- there are lots of deconstruction podcasts and you know, there's a place for it, but we've never just wanted to sit in that space by itself. Right. It's why i I went to went after being a failure and hurt by a failure as a church leader and hurt by a church, right. um, uh, and and failing at all the things to go back into that environment in an organizational way when it's just easy to say, like our friend. Mutual friend Kevin just texted us a an online church package that we could um, really? we could buy for five dollars a month, um, you know, and have this sort of virtual church experience. And we're just not we're not super content with that. We don't think that's yeah. the answer either. And so, for me, my life has totally been reoriented around this creating and not just critiquing thing. Yeah, which is huge. And, uh, huge, and that mean, that that affects my social media intake i have decreased because social media does not help me be hopeful <laughs> and it does not help me stay with a vision of life that that um that sees myself as a as a blesser of others and not a judger of others totally 100%. so i have to restrict it so much yeah um uh, because it just and and even new regular news i don't watch regular news i don't read Newspapers, which are papers that had news on them, uh, for you, Jen. A's, beers, C's. Wherever we are. Um, right? Yeah, I don't know where, what letter we're on. Um, I just don't. I don't consume any of that. I've I've learned to release the need to be in the know about what's. Yeah, I may mean, not be experts
1: world. on um, the positive side of all this, like you said, but I do feel like a decent expert on the judgmental. Critical, <laughs> you know, like I uh, being the dingus that, you know, like the the story that I did tell about the DMV and just being that was a power over. I acted as though she was beneath me and she was robbing time from my day, which all was false. Yeah. But I'm good at that, and it's i am I'm I'm good at really like falling into that posture and understanding what it means to be, you know, making others less than.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah, Tim, you don't get all the sinner credit here. I am the oh, I worst. <laughs> I am the biggest well, sinner on this podcast.
1: Well, there is that reconcil- or uh, uh, recognizing that you know Paul obviously says that too. Being, but I found with a lot of that critical nature, when I take a breath before I respond or even make a decision on something, on how I'm going to how I'm going to interact with something. Taking that half second pause to breathe and then understand how I should be postured or re-posturing myself within that totally often makes all the difference
0: in the world. Oh, it really does, doesn't it? Yeah. No, Tim, I, this is a continual and perpetual struggle forever. Um, that's kind of the point, though, right?
1: Like, it seems yeah. to be the, that's kind of the point that Jesus makes often is like, this is not, and that's where the pray the prayer thing has been such a f- tremendous failure of imagination with what it means to be. Christian right is like I mean it was just like hey you know on the deathbed hey just just get him to pray the prayer it's the fire insurance it's the get in you know right don't go to jail get in to heaven that's right instead it's like it's just like no this is this is loving your enemy this is loving your neighbor which means
0: that's the person you live next door to every single day right see and that and man that is that that is the thing about Jesus Remember, we we were talking to somebody. I think it was Jen, um, who was saying, you know, she'd asked a professor, "Well, you know, what what did you find in Jesus that was lacking in Judaism?" And, it, and she said it was the command to love your enemies. Mm. And again, we don't we we've heard from Matt and Jen and others. We don't ever want to make Christianity look good by denigrating Judaism. Right. But that that's that's the Christian point is, listen, loving people who love you, that's good. Loving your enemies is beautiful. Yeah. Like that's the difference. Yeah. Right. Giving and, and serving to those who can give and serve back to you, that's good. But giving and serving those who can never repay you, that's beautiful. Right. Getting even, okay, that's easy. But forgiving people without and yielding your right to punish them, That's beautiful. Yeah. So when we talk about self-sacrificial love, that's what we're talking about. Yeah.
1: Was it Matt that brought up the, you know, it was part of the conversation was why asking those questions of why didn't Jesus die young if it was just about the death and you you think about like, or why didn't he just come give one huge, amazing sermon with a bunch of like, yeah, with a bunch of like magic tricks and Mm. then, and then be like, Hey, everybody believe what I just did and tell everybody about a piece. Yeah, but instead, he like he came and he did all the things that you just said. He loved, he served, he made people feel seen, and did that for years. Yeah, and that is what we're called to emulate, not this like yeah. tent revival thing that we built. The instead. spectacular. Yeah, yeah, it's
0: really. <laughs> yeah,
1: and hallelujah! There you, were there were times,
0: and and the and the thing is, the spirit of God is always at work, and is such a lover of human beings that tracks. And open air revivals and all of those things have been used. Sure. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that they're wise and it doesn't mean that they reflect the beauty of Jesus. And that's where I I call into question a little bit, uh, particularly in today's world where there is so much baggage and ugliness attached. I call into question a bit the traditional understandings of, well, let's try to bring every conversation around to it's like no, 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 if I have an agenda for somebody, uh, am I truly loving them, and yeah. they will they receive my love as love? well no if somebody if if someone became a friend and I found out later uh, of me and I found out later it was because they wanted to rope me into their multi level marketing thing totally. <laughs>
1: no that's a great example Uh, in the classroom too we have long conversations about social media mm. and um you know because my students are like the first generation that has grown up with it in their hand from day one i've mentioned this on the podcast before but part of the conversation will be like hey there's so much loneliness embedded in social media Mm. right and it's it's a false flag because it's about social constructs but it's it's so much masking and so much um yeah projecting and then obviously there's the abuse side of it that is you know between uh grooming and that kind of stuff that happens on the really dark nefarious level but then also mm. like a uh, um uh, cyberbullying and that kind of stuff so i'm like hey you guys like social media is not leaving so how do you navigate mm. this world in which you have to find ways of loving people really intentionally Helping people be really seen for who they are outside of their social media projection. So, what I'm saying is, I think that this conversation is so important right now, and that Jesus will, and the Spirit will work through so many things. But, like, we have, like, we're, we, our tendency is to isolate ourselves and to project false selves. Mm -hmm. And we're at a time period where that's like, Really, really, really prevalent. Yeah. So the idea of really learning how to love through and make people feel seen when we have when we're so connected but so disconnected is such a you know what a yep. what a beautiful time to reflect the beauty of Jesus in seeing the woman at the well or making fe- pe- people feel seen and edified for who they are when they can't when they feel like they have to project the false self forward all day long on like nine different
0: yeah. <laughs> social media apps.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Very relevant.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you never arrive. There's no expertise. There's no manual. There's, well, that's there's... what you see,
1: right? Cause we do, as we progress in air quotes forward, um, there is so much more of the icing. So you can't, there is no finish line. Like mm-hmm. you have to pursue this period.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it can only be worked out in social relationships. There's not, none of, I mean, the only thing me and Jesus do together, just the two of us, um, is I will immerse myself in his word. But even then, I'd rather do that in community. But, Man, that makes you know. me
1: wonder if sometimes that Jesus was like, don't, when he would meet with someone or, or do a miracle or whatever, and was like, don't wrap don't people up and bring them back. If part of that was because he was building communal aspects that he was then encouraging people to. I mean, you watch his ministry, and it's to the last point that he's being communal on the cross, <laughs> and Absolutely. applying and seeing somebody for who they are, yes. and encouraging them while he's hanging next to them is a pretty profound image.
0: Well said, man. We'll close with that. Listen, fam, uh, or dear listener, we are so grateful. Uh, to be a part of your life we say this often but we really are and we just want to say thanks for all your continued feedback and clarification and questions pushback we just benefit from it all and so until next time friends we're going to wrap this sucker up and uh we'll talk to you later Bye. bye
1: thank you thank you thank you for listening to this conversation Voxology is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners just like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash Voxology. You can also join the community and hang out and chat with us on the socials facebook.com backslash voxology podcast and on instagram at voxology thank you thank you thank you for walking the long road
0: with us